baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's get started, baby. It's the big day. What a day it's going to be. Woo! We are excited. We've got a big announcement coming up at 11 o'clock. A concert announcement. Well, we don't have the announcement. No, no, no. It's not us. It's at Bush Stadium. It's Bill DeWitt III and Joe Buck. And this is our official... Our official position. Pre-game. Oh, sorry, what? Oh, this is the pre-game The pre-game extravaganza announcement extravaganza. Uh Uh-huh. We are excited about it. Are you excited? (laughs) You better be. (laughs) I'm so excited because we've had guesses on who it's going to be. Uh-huh. I mean, because you... Sorry, this is our big extravaganza of (laughs) announcing the big concert. We don't know who it's going to be. We just know there's a press conference today, and it is a and it I, is a special announcement. And I only know because Ranj got an email. I'm not on the email Well, list. everybody got the email. I didn't, but it was from the Cardinals. Well, you needed to get probably on that list. Yeah, and it just said there's going to be a big announcement today Huge. at 11 about a concert, a special concert. That yeah. was the language special they used. Special concert announcement. Anyway. With Bill that- DeWitt III and Joe Buck. Yep. And so we were like guessing, oh my gosh, who is it going to be? Could it be Taylor Swift? Some people said Adam Wainwright. I said maybe Adam Wainwright with Zach. Well, uh, <laughs> the Zach. And, and our very own Matt Pauly will be at, at the announcement. Matt oh, Pauly's going Matt to Pauly. be at the announcement. What if it's Matt? So that would be a concert. Some anyway. people said Paul McCartney. Oh my gosh, we got Paul McCartney AC, and Yoko DC. Ono. AC, a lot of people think it's ACDC. Heard, heard Pearl Jam yesterday. So who knows what's going to oh. happen? We cannot wait to find out today. Um, a texter to three one four four three six seventy nine hundred says, "What if it's Engelbert Humperdinck? Oh. Isn't he dead? I think he might be dead. I think I think Humperdinck is dead. Is Humperdinck so, de- okay? Neil Diamond, Wayne Newton, Engelbert Humperdinck. How many are dead? Uh, well, Neil Diamond's alive. How do you know? What do you mean? How do I know? <laughs> who are the uh, Engelbert and who was the other one? Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton's still alive. I think it's only Humperdink. Oh my gosh, Humperdink is not dead. He's not dead. They're all alive. It could be them. It could be wow. the Engelbert Humperdink Wayne Newton Neil Diamond concert. He's not dead. Wow, that jeez, what a what an absolute. Uh, kind of looks like Wayne Newton. It probably is the same hair. person. So um, we do have that coming up. We want to hear from you today. Three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. Call that number, text it. Uh, if you just want to drop a voicemail, you could do that too. 314-944-1120, 944-1120, and we're on all the social media platforms at Chris Amy KMOX. 
Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, a lot of people have been waiting for the Jeffrey Epstein list and documents to be released. Some of them have about 40 pages. We will talk about what's in them. And the city of St. Louis saw a major drop in homicides in 2023, allegedly. I added that in there. Uh, St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman had some thoughts on the crime numbers. And as we've mentioned, it is a big announcement today um, about a concert that is happening at Bush Stadium. A special concert. A special concert announcement that we we are hoping is Taylor Swift. Man. We'll find out. Wouldn't that be? You could get $50 million. $50 million just straight up injected into the economic veins of our bi-state area. Some of that $6 billion she's going to make could be coming from St. Louis, too, you know? So, um, anyway, we mentioned right off the top, well, <laughs> no, we didn't. We talked about this concert, but mm-hmm. uh, just a moment ago, uh, mentioned the Jeffrey Epstein list and the documents that have been released. These are court documents regarding the sex trafficking conspiracy that he was involved in, um, and we know that Jeffrey Epstein died while he was in holding. So, I don't know what to make of these documents. We have about 40 pages or mm-hmm. so that have been released so far. There's expected to be another 150 to 200, somewhere in that range of pages to be released. A number of names are mentioned. Uh, this just, the whole list, mm-hmm. the whole idea of this, Amy, to me, it seems like, I don't think people really care about the trafficking. I don't think they care about what happened to these women and these young girls. I think they just care about what they can gain from it politically and how they can use the appearance of some of these names. So some of the names who, that are in the documents and just because they appear in the documents right, right. does not mean there was any wrongdoing on the part of these people. But you have former President Clinton, uh, former President Trump, Prince Andrew, Michael Jackson, um, Alan Dershowitz is in this, uh, Stephen Hawking is is in this list. I know, right? I mean, I so, can kind of see. Anyway, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you're talking about the names, yes, these are not the names of indicted people. This right. is not an indictment list. These this is more than 100 people connected to Jeffrey Epstein, including business associates. Um some are victims, accusers. Uh, some were, just happen to uh, be connected with him in some way. And when you are very wealthy, very popular, and you hang out with wealthy, popular celebrity crowds, you're going to meet a lot of people. Connected people are connected. And so, yes, there will be people on this list who did absolutely nothing wrong. There will be people on this list who did do something wrong. I will either push back or clarify, whatever you want to call it. When I when people are interested in this list, I agree with you that unfortunately, I don't think it's out of concern for the young women who were victimized. You mentioned that it will be used as political leverage uh, to weaponize this list. I think there's a, a healthy part of that. I also think there would have been outside of politics interest in this list because we have always been uh, enraptured by scandal and celebrities. Right. Sex scandals, celebrities. That's always interested the public. So when you have a list, you know, quote unquote list like this of people who were potentially involved in this salacious activity, people would be interested in it, even if they are totally apolitical because it's a scandal. It's gossipy. It's it's what every it is the it's the epitome 
of tabloid news. Let me when I say political, I don't mean it in the sense that people are trying to affect policy change, like the true meaning of the definition. I don't think it's that. I think it's scummy. I, I think it's for the Tucker Carlson types. I think this is this is just red meat for those kinds of people who can do conspiracy stuff and make videos on Twitter and and, uh, you know, appeal to their followers. That's the kind of stuff this is good. Except except the reason why I almost feel like while the Tucker Carlson types are always looking for red meat where it can't be found and even where it is, whatever it may be, almost in some ways you could say that. It has been the allegations because they span Republican, Democrat, celebrity, political, apolitical, the royal family. You can't really use it as too much leverage because for every Democrat on the list, there'll be a Republican on the list. You know, that almost takes away some of the power of this list. It's not like they're looking for one guy. It seems like the list and I could be totally wrong about this and you can tell me that I am. But it seems like the people who have been been talking the most about this list are hard right wing, um, the, the Tucker types, mm-hmm. those kinds of people. It was like, well, you better release the list. You know, Aaron Rodgers talking about it jokingly a couple of days ago, and he's a hard right winger. You can just call it what it is. I, I, I always thought, you know, are you sure? Because if, if you want this list to come out, do you not think that people you like and that people you get behind are on this thing too? So I don't, I never really understood the fascination from certain sects of people other than you've just got the the idea of of conspiracy and involvement from influential people and important people and we're always looking for that kind of mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. you know what what are these people involved in yeah what is what is this ruling class doing behind the scenes i mean they're always going to be people who are interested in that yeah people well yes and, and skeevy stories and like i said the rumors the tabloids there's a reason tabloids exist people love these types of stories from uh the list standpoint perhaps from a human standpoint what's interesting is there really are people on this list who just because they happen to be famous too might have been at a party with Jeffrey Epstein or had some connection with him because of his influence, his wealth, those circles. They're, they are elite circles and they're small circles, so you're bound to run into people. I was telling this story from several years ago when I first started working for KMOX. And I didn't know anything about radio. I'm not a reporter. I wasn't a reporter. I, you know, was... A writer who got into this was talking about hockey, but I also was interested in chess, and there was a chess gala. And this is how how quickly pictures can be taken or a connection can be made. Someone said, oh, hey, you're here at the chess gala. See that guy over there? That's Rex Sinkfield. I'd never heard of Rex Sinkfield. I'm sorry to say. I just hadn't. I, it was years ago. And they're like, but he, you know— built the chess club, um, funded it. You need to get a quote from him about how important it is. So I go up to get a quote. And within a few seconds, a photographer comes up and is like, hey, you know, can I take your picture? Smile. And it happened so fast. So I smiled. The next thing I know, the next day, there's a picture in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch of me standing next to Rex Singfield. It looks like we know each other. Mm -hmm. It looks like we're old friends and are catching up and he's having a drink. And my friends texted me and said, what are you doing standing, you know, hanging out with billionaires? I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not hanging out with billionaires. We were at a gala. And of, of course, it's nothing was wrong with that. But what it did is it shows how quickly if you're in a circle where it's a fundraiser or it's a small elite crowd, you could very easily be caught in a conversation or picture taken with someone that you don't know 
and it looks like you know them much more than uh, much better than you do. Yeah, I just hope that when people are looking at the list, it I know it's going to be. It's going to become a a partisan thing where it's like, oh, look at all these Democrats or look at all these Republicans hanging out with this guy. Look, there there are I don't like to both sides issues very often because I think it's lazy. I do believe in this case there's a lot of both sides to go around. So it's not one party persuasion or another that was more involved with Jeffrey Epstein. At least I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. And and that could come out. We could find things out later that we are that are proven to be true and disprove what I've just said. But at this point, I don't think that you can blame one side more than another. That's Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji. We have winter warm-up tickets that we're going to give away a couple of pairs that we will give away today because Cardinals winter warm-up is in a little over a week from now. It's happening Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, and if you want to be a part of that, you have a chance to win tickets for that today. We did also mention off the top that there are new crime numbers in St. Louis. Homicides were down in 2023 against conventional wisdom. We'll discuss those when we come back on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's Amy Marks, Coors, and Chris Ranji. The Chris and Amy show, they call it. Uh, <laughs> That's what I call it, the Chris and Amy show. Everybody calls it that. It's my favorite thing when you take, when Donald Trump would it's take good. an everyday thing. Like, hey. a car, I got in my car, a car. That's what I call it. That's what we all call it's good. it. It's good. <laughs> it is. Look, you have to give him this. He could be pretty funny. If he weren't highly consequential, yeah. he'd be hilarious. He would be one of the best Saturday Night Live characters. Speaking of consequence, Amy, <laughs> we we are um, experiencing right now a record, at least in the last 10 years, a record drop in homicides in the city of St. Louis. This is according to the police department. 158, and it's, it's still not good. I mean, you don't want to see this, but what you're looking for is progress. 158 murders in 2023, which is the lowest number that we have seen in the last 10 years. It is the lowest rate that we have seen since 2014, a murder rate, a preliminary murder rate of uh, 55.1, and that is that's per capita. So, um, the last time it was that low, it was just under 50% back in 2014. So I, I've been making the case for a long time that while this city has clear problems, mm-hmm. and I don't think it is, it's as appealing as it can be to people who live just outside the city or people who live well outside the city. Yep. The connotation of St. Louis is not great, but I think it's better than what we give it credit for. And I don't know if the the, the new uh, circuit attorney, Gabe Gore, is is a part of this. I don't know if the police chief, Robert Tracy, is a part of this. I don't know if it's just a natural regression. Or I think you'll make the case that maybe the numbers aren't true. So that's my case. I mean, you know, call me cynical. I, and I'm sorry, but I just am. The crime data is just, it's not complete uh, we have, in the past couple of years, the city of St. Louis has changed how they've reported crimes. Like, we have seen a spike in 
in what they call justifiable homicides. So you see more justifiable homicides. You get 7, 10, 15 of those. That drastically changes the crime number. Justifiable meaning, well, it's self-defense. Somehow we only have like one of two of those leading up in the previous years. Suddenly we have a ton of justifiable homicides, relatively speaking. Um, we also know that crimes aren't going reported, aren't being reported. That's a huge but don't problem. You think there are crimes that just aren't I, being reported. And you yeah. can say like one break. If you have 40 cars broken into uh, along Laclede, which happened, or uh, Enterprise Center, that's one incident. We are talking specifically about homicides and more violent crimes here, which I, I do believe is more important than property crime. By it does a make lot. a difference, but I just don't believe the numbers because we also know that, again, this new... Um, what is this the system called uh, here? The National Incident-Based Reporting System, the NIBRS system. We had to switch to it. We spent $1.2 million. Well, for eight months afterwards, St. Louis didn't send crime data to the state for eight months. That violates federal law. The FBI had incomplete data. The FBI said, hey, wait a minute. You're not sending us complete data. All of this data is somehow being questioned or it's not completely transparent. I don't know what crimes aren't being reported. I don't know what crimes are being categorized as something else. I just don't believe the numbers. Yeah. And I, I think that's maybe what you're what you might be going on. And I wonder this and I don't I want to answer for you. But is it feel are you no. going on feeling? Like, I just don't I'm going feel by like it's. Well, here's what I'll say. I'm going around, by like them saying like we had the lowest crime ever in 2022. Amy, and then a story comes out. We didn't report crime for eight months. Amy, around the country, though, it's holding true. In multiple large cities around the country, New York down 11 percent, L.A. down 16 percent, Chicago, Houston, Phoenix, Philly, San Antonio, Dallas, um, Austin didn't see a change. But these are all cities that are seeing between 14 or between 11 percent and 19 percent uh, drops in homicides from 2022. So it's it's not just St. Louis. And and you can make the argument that, well, maybe they're underreporting. I bet that happens all the time. It I bet it be, happens every year. 20- and, it, and it might happen in every city. But to say that every single city around the country is seeing a drop in homicides, well, they must be underreporting. Well, but 20, I don't 20, think it holds true. 2022 was high. I mean, here here's that story that I even, like, forgot about from 2022 when five people were shot and killed over 22 hours on a Sunday. And they weren't related. That's like what the, at the time, the St. Louis Public Safety Director, Dan Isom, said, that's what's so, so alarming about this is that you had five homicides in 22 hours and they weren't related uh, 2020 was a record high rate of homicides so you could say okay homicides have gone down but we know that they added seven justifiable homicides seven is a lot when you're talking about 150 to 200 homicides recategorizing seven is a lot not reporting some or comparing it to previous historic highs i'm i'm not i, I want there to be less crime i hope there is i am skeptical that we are making the progress in reducing crime that these numbers indicate. But around the country? If it's happening around the country, wouldn't it jive? I don't know. That's Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji. When we come back, Major Garrett will join us. A lot happening in Washington as well. That's next on KMOX. Amy Marks Corps, Chris Ranji on KMOX. It is Thursday morning. It's after 1030, and it means one thing. It means it's time to visit with Major Garrett. He is the chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, visiting with us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. You also want to check out the book, 
author of The Big Truth. That's who he is. Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. The Big Truth. It's a really good book. I have a signed copy. No big deal. Uh, host of the Takeout podcast. Also, Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. We've got Major Garrett with us this morning. Good morning, Major. Good morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy hey, New Happy New Year, Year to you. And uh, we had a, a listener who texted in and, and wanted to uh, acknowledge the black and gold tie you wore on television to celebrate your Missouri Tigers bowl win. Yes, that was before we actually won the bowl game. That was okay. my way of trying to increase the, uh, let us say, karmic um, momentum behind the Missouri Tigers, and it worked. We beat Ohio State later on that evening, but yes. That was not just a black and gold tie, but for those who were particularly eagle-eyed in the last segment of the CBS Evening News that evening, you could see the Mizzou logo at the very bottom of that tie if you were paying oh. highly close attention. So, yes. I think um, I think the tie is what pushed them over the edge because yeah. the first 75% <laughs> of that game was so boring, I almost died. <laughs> was it 3 nothing for like I don't know, it was so two hours? Boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a hockey game. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. but Jimbo thanks you. Uh, well, it was great. And um, I was tempted to sign off MIZ, but I decided that uh, I was better to preserve my career and, uh, and, and not try to weave that in there, you know. But just another example of a, a prominent uh, broadcaster reminding us all he went to Mizzou. That's what they, they it hardly ever happens, that. does it? Oh, oh, you and Syracuse and Northwestern people, you should all start a club. They did. It's called uh, success. We, 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 we wouldn't let them in the club. Okay. Okay, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Uh, there's one club. There's there one go. club. There okay, there's well, one club. It's the Mizzou club. That's right. Speech. We've earned it, and we when we patrol it. That's right. That's what they. That's what gatekeeping is for. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, speaking of people not allowed in the club, um, Donald Trump is appealing the Supreme Colorado Supreme Court's yep. ruling. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I think he appealed yesterday officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Also, there was a ruling in Maine. Yeah. Where are we with that appeal? Okay, so Maine is a different category. Maine has a law, state law. And remember, the Constitution defers to states most of the control over its elections, time, manner, and place, and how you resolve disputes. Maine has a law that if voters ask the state, the Secretary of State about a candidate, the Secretary of State is under Maine law obligated to render a judgment about whatever question is being asked about the qualifications of a candidate. That's what happened in Maine. And the Secretary of State said, I take this question because I'm obligated under state law. I offered an opinion. Trump's disqualified. And under Maine law, it goes to the courts immediately. It goes to the courts immediately under Maine law. So everything is happening according to what Maine law says can and should happen. Similarly, in Colorado, Republican voters went to the Secretary of State and essentially said, you have to take Trump off the ballot. Secretary of State said, I, I don't know whether I have to take the Trump off the ballot or not. Let's have the first Colorado District Court, then the Supreme Court look at this. The Supreme Court looked at it, reached a judgment. There are different procedures, same result, both held in abeyance because both are going to be reviewed judicially. Maine by the courts in Maine and now Colorado by the Supreme Court. 
The one thing that ties them together is that the Supreme Court cannot ignore a central fact, which is this question has to be resolved. So the status of Trump on primary and general election ballots can be decided and affirmed, whatever that is, off or on, for all jurisdictions, because this will come up in other states. And the Supreme Court knows that. In the brief filed by the Trump attorneys yesterday, which I read, they basically said the 14th Amendment Clause 3 is not self-executing. You need some kind of determination that there was an insurrection and then Trump engaged in it. Absent that, you can't apply this. That the Colorado law doesn't allow this particular kind of intervention, so you should overrule it on that basis. And Trump didn't engage in insurrection. And all questions of qualification should be left to Congress and not the states. Lawyers who are constitutional experts will dispute that and argue back and forth, but that's essentially the argument laid before the Supreme Court. The larger question for the Supreme Court is when, not if, the Supreme Court cannot allow jurisdictions all over this country to by themselves debate this question of ballot eligibility. It has to step in, even though I guarantee you it does not want to. It does not want to. It's going to have to. And I'm not, I've, I've, tried to read heavily about this and go through the history and the precedent. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't have an expert opinion on this, but everyone I've talked to who is pretty close to these sorts of issues believes the Supreme Court is going to allow Trump to be on the ballot and resolve this for all jurisdictions. When that happens, I don't know, but I imagine it will happen before the end of this month is over. Major, the uh, southern border has been mm-hmm. getting a ton of attention for a sure. very long time. There is clearly mm-hmm. an issue that needs to be addressed there. Um, senators, in a bipartisan effort, apparently working behind closed doors to come up with something. Uh, the House doesn't seem to be moving that direction. So what sort of, in an election year, what mm-hmm. sort of progress is going to get made on the southern border? Well, <clears throat> Everything you described is true, which makes it very difficult. And under normal circumstances, I would bet against anything being resolved. However, because the administration has essentially agreed with the proposition laid forth many, many weeks ago by the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, put your priorities, Ukraine, Israel aid, along with border security. That's the only way you're going to be able to get them. So focus your attention on those and keep everything wound together. And because the Ukraine aid is such an overwhelming priority for the Biden White House and for many Senate Democrats and a fair number of Senate Republicans, there's a possibility. What will have to be realized by the Biden White House is it's going to lose everything on border policy. Everything. You're going to have to make concessions absolutely unimaginable six months ago. Why? Because the situation is chaotic. You're now under intense political pressure from your own party, mayors in Denver, Chicago, New York, and elsewhere, who are now having to deal with the influx of migrants bust from Texas principally in what can only be described as a cynical but yet shrewd and effective move by the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to essentially export the migrant problem in Texas to Democratic constituencies to bring them face-to-face with what he deals with and other border states deal with. Now the White House is under pressure, and the pressure is intense. 
And we are no longer having that conversation that Americans have had about this issue for years. Comprehensive. It's not comprehensive. It's not the left gets something and the right gets something. It's going to be principally what House Republicans demand and what you can get through in the Senate and get through with a bipartisan majority of some Republicans and some Democrats in the House. Long way to go. The probabilities are against it. But if the White House wants to get this issue to a place where it is not just a pressure point and a political loser for the White House and get some Republican buy-in, it's going to have to make some pretty big concessions. And once it does, then at least can share responsibility for border policy and get Ukraine aid as a fringe benefit. But it's going to have to swallow things that it would not even have discussed six months ago in terms of policy on the border that looks much more like Trump policy than Biden policy. And also switching to the Arabian Peninsula, what's happening with the Houthi rebels and the way they keep attacking commercial ships. Um, The Biden administration, I think, understandably reluctant to escalate matters, but it it does feel like that that U.S. naval assets and those of its allies are Mm -hmm. purely defensive at this point and almost feels like we're at the mercy of this I I say ragtag. The Houthi rebels are kind of ragtag, except they're funded by Iran. And it feels Mm -hmm. it feels like there's an imbalance here. It's asymmetrical. And yet the ragtag group is holding us hostage. Well, that's that's a fair interpretation, Amy. Um, And I think the administration has had two goals. One, do not enlarge this by taking on Iran directly or enlarge it in a way that Iran greenlights its other proxies in other places like Hezbollah and Lebanon to engage militarily with Israel, which would essentially open a second front of that war while Israel deals with Gaza and Hamas, which is not an insignificant priority for this administration. The Houthi rebels, ragtag though they are, and ragtag is probably not accurate, uh, they conducted a seven-year war in Yemen, mm-hmm. uh, and did so ferociously with a lot of damage, humanitarian and otherwise. So they're not exactly inexperienced or without capabilities. And you don't need many capabilities to harass defenseless cargo vessels in that particular part of the world. You just need to bother them. And then the U.S. Navy needs to step in. And, of course, the United States has tried to build this larger coalition of nations who want to keep, obviously, cargo vessels moving, moving quickly. Why? Supply chains. Why supply chains? Supply chains, inflation, all those things are interlinked. And the administration has not wanted to do anything that is regarded as anything other than responsive. If you don't bother the ships, we're not going to shoot you out of the water. Well, recently, we shot them out of the water. said, stop harassing the vessels. And if you keep doing it, we're going to shoot you out of the water. We're not just going to fly over you and do warning shots. We're going to blow you out of the water, which has now recently happened. So we're at this sort of rough position where the coalition led by the United States doesn't want to be hyper-aggressive because it doesn't want to expand things and create more problems elsewhere on the map in the Middle East. But also, to your point, can't ignore it. And we can't now have huge shipping vessels redirecting themselves and adding a week or more to their 
journey because they're not using the Red Sea or the Suez Canal anymore. So it's a huge complication. And why is Iran doing it? Iran does it for a very specific reason. That economic pressure, which is distributed across the world, focuses on the U.S., which then they believe the Biden administration will lean on the Israeli government to back off in Gaza. And that's how Iran is playing this chessboard. And it's complicated as all get out. Major, tell us who is on the Takeout podcast this week. So as people have been noticing uh, between flu, RSV, and COVID, after the holidays and traveling and get-togethers, there are some increases in cases. So we have the Surgeon General for the Trump administration, Dr. Jerome Adams. He's at Purdue University now. And we are talking about all those things in general and some of his reflections on dealing with the height of COVID and the height of the pandemic when he was in the Trump administration. Some things went well, some things didn't. But it's a conversation about all of that and very much topical this week. We'll talk again next week, Major. Thank you. That is Major Garrett. He is a uh, Cotton Bowl champion. Wow. Um, Chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, host of the Takeout podcast and the Agent of Betrayal. Both of those podcasts you can get on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, where you can also pick up this show, Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji, live, podcasts, everything, anything you missed, all available there on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Ranj, this is a, a point of business first on a did you see this. I think this is relevant to all the coffee drinkers. Starbucks will now let customers use personal cups for nearly oh, yeah, all that. orders again. Now, Caldi's has done that for a well, while because we try to, you know, save the environment, right. bring our own coffee cup. But during COVID, that got pushed out the window. Now, I thought about this. Does this also include, and I, I think this is what I read, that it includes uh, mobile orders? Yes. So how the blank does that work? <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. I've already complained. And listen, Mr. Positivity over here, I don't mind complaining about Starbucks. But it's already slow enough when you've got multiple people ordering ahead, ordering 10 drinks. So then we have to wait for you to show up with your cup? Yeah. For orders orders made in the Starbucks app, a new personal cup option is now added to the customization button during the app ordering process. The customer places the order, then you bring it to the store... When the customer gives the mug to a barista in the pickup area, there the drink is made and given back in a contactless vessel, which is a larger mug. What? What? Okay. (laughs) Just, you know what? Um, Starbucks notes that the cups must be cleaned before bringing them and that the baristas won't rinse them out. The chain also won't accept cups larger than 40 ounces. The contactless vessel being a larger mug, so I think you leave the mug there. It's like a giant glass mug, so you put the cup in the mug. They push the mug towards you, and you pick up the cup. Okay. I don't know, a little odd. Just, it's just, what a nightmare. That's um, just going to make everything worse in the morning. Amy, did you see that uh, Metro Transit will no longer be selling ad space on buses in the city of St. Louis? What? Yeah, you know how you, there's always a billboard? That's the famous, billboard? that's what buses are so for. So Metrolink cars and yeah. call ride vans and buses. So it's been going on for decades. It goes yeah. on in every city because 
it is it'll be more aesthetically pleasing because they're tacky. So they're tacky. Now what's going to happen to our billboard? The Chris and Amy show billboard. Well, we didn't want to, we weren't on buses. We wanted to be over the highways. But well, buses are all litigation lawyers anyway. That's all you see. One because they always it's always that lawyer guy. We're going to lose up to one point five million annually, according to uh, this report. Is that the big problem with St. Louis that our buses are tacky? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, now our bill- we had known this. Now our billboard's gone. Homicides down, and our buses aren't tacky anymore. And a special concert announcement coming oh up after gosh. eleven o'clock at Bush Stadium. Oh my God, what's going to happen? We'll let you know next on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.